Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911, two man car, two retired Los Angeles officers here serving the Lord Jesus Christ, faithful sons of the Blessed Virgin Mary, faithful sons of Holy Mother Church. Eddie, can you hear me, my friend? I can see you. I can hear you, Jess. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Hey, Eddie, I want to talk a little bit about, obviously, we're going to be talking about the uh, how to uh, how to drive out an evil spirit, how to self-deliver using the, the Liber Crystal uh, protocol, the four-phase protocol. And uh, we're, we're really talking about uh, phase two, where the layperson really has to engage in the battle. Uh, the, uh, the layperson who's diabolically afflicted, Eddie, as you well know, you've been around it a long time. They can't be passive spectators. They have to be active participants or it's, uh, or again, uh, if, if you're a passive spectator, you just want to be there and be a fan, uh, and not a gladiator and enter into the ring and fight along with the priest, uh, you're not going to get delivered. We, people who are diabolically afflicted cannot be fans they cannot be, uh, yeah, they, they cannot be, what's it called, you know, fangirls. They have to be gladiators, Eddie. That's right, Jess. You know, this is not a, a ministry where you can go and just observe. You've got to be a part of it. <laughs> that's for sure. Go and observe. A, a come and see session. Right. <laughs> yeah, a come and see weekend. Eddie, I want to talk a little bit about St. Michael before we get into uh, the, the the phase two again, the deep dive. Uh, St. Michael saved a girl's life here it says never underestimate the power of saint michael the archangel sandra of ocala florida found firsthand she prayed a novena to the archangel for her son to overcome an addiction he was eventually healed however sandra never imagined what her heavenly protector was about to do for her <clears throat> on the morning of may 12 2021 she fell asleep at the wheel of her car which went catapulting end over end through a cow pasture it flipped seven times, and the first responders are not sure how. But Sandra was ejected from the car and found peacefully lying in a patch of wildflowers. She was flown to a nearby hospital and spent the next days recovering from eight fractured ribs, a punctured lung, and a lacerated eye caused by being thrown through a barbed wire fence when she ejected. Little did she know that St. Michael was preparing, was preparing something even more unexpected in her life. Eddie, you want to pick it up from there? Yes, I don't have that with me. Go ahead. Okay. Two weeks later, Sandra received a call from Bob at American East Fatima. He wanted to schedule a visit of the, of the pilgrim statue of Our Lady of Fatima with someone named Mary. He dialed the wrong number. Sandra was a, a devotee of St. Michael, but she was not on the American East Fatima list. In fact, she was not even a Catholic. Nevertheless, she enthusiastically asked if Our Lady could visit her home. On June 16, 2021, American East Fatima volunteer Zechariah Long and I took Our Lady to the home of this devotee of St. Michael. On the table reserved for Our Lady, <clears throat> we, were touched to, we were touched to see a statue of the winged warrior. We were both impressed by her devotion and marveled at what St. Michael has done for this woman. He, was not only, he, he, he had not only healed her son, but saved her from what had been a violent death. 
We were now standing in her home with the statue of the Blessed Mother. We took the opportunity to give her a rosary and a booklet explaining how to pray it. Since Our Lady's visit, Sandra has expressed a desire to convert to the Catholic faith and steps are being taken to fulfill her wish. This story should inspire those who have lost belief in the holy angels and their solicitude from our well-being. God did not just create angels to help little children cross over a bridge. They have an unbelievable power to convert souls trapped in addiction and prevent physical catastrophes. Indeed, Bob did not dial the wrong number, but call the person for whom St. Michael had a special love. Eddie, there's a lot of stories like this in Catholic history. Yeah, just, you know, we don't stop to realize how active our angels really are. And I think that's the lesson to be learned here is that we have to think about how active they are. They're put here for a reason, just angels are messengers of God. That's what the, the name actually means. And so when we have a story like this, there's there's a very definite uh, message that goes out and uh, and and converts her essentially. And basically is what's going to happen. That's right. And, and Eddie, a lot of people don't realize that St. Michael also had a, 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 a very important role in the deliverance of Robbie Mannheim, who was the, the kid who, uh, it was actually the true character that Linda Blair played in the movie The Exorcist. Uh, the kid's name was Robbie Mannheim. It was a boy and not a girl. And what ended up happening in that story is Robbie Mannheim was in the hospital and uh, towards the end of the exorcism, after weeks of being prayed for it, uh, the uh, he, he's in a hospital, and he's in a. They had him in a psych ward, Eddie, uh, Robbie Mannheim, this fifteen-year-old kid. The uh, this uh, group of priests, the Alexian brothers, it's a it's an order. They brought a statue of Saint Michael to his room to the psych ward, and so uh, Robbie had been taught the Saint Michael the Archangel prayer, and uh, and and. And the statue was in his room. Can you just imagine that? Well, the story goes as the way it ended. It was on, on Easter Monday. The Sunday after Easter, on Easter Monday, Robbie's in the psych ward and he's having these violent struggles, these violent you know, uh, manifestations. And all of a sudden, out of Robbie's mouth, this 15-year-old boy came out a voice that was clear. And it said, it said, quote, Satan. I am St. Michael, and I command you, Satan, and the other evil spirits to leave the body in the name of Dominus, which is the Latin word for, for Lord. Uh, and St. Michael said, immediately, now, now, now. So for the next couple of minutes, uh, nurses witnessed it, that Robbie was screaming and twisting. And then uh, after a few minutes, Robbie Mannheim, this 15-year-old boy that was possessed, emerged from this trance, and he calmly told uh, the nurses and the doctor and, and the priest that was there, he's gone. He's gone. Well, what happened? St. Michael showed up. And St. Michael, with a flaming sword in his hand, uh, <laughs> said, hey, it's time for you to leave now. It's time. And so the true story is Robbie Mannheim was actually delivered in his hospital bed, not by priest, but by St. Michael the Archangel. Yes, you know, one of the things I remember hearing from the, the seminarian that tells a certain story of, of this uh, exact uh, exorcism that you're talking about was that in the hospital, what could be heard at the time that St. Michael was saying that is a huge boom. 
a huge boom that could be heard everywhere. And uh, that's just beautiful, Jess. I mean, it, it, it brings tears to my eyes to know that that St. Michael actually showed up, actually uh, manifested his own uh, 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 in his own way that he was able yeah. to speak and, and become audible to us. So and that's that's a beautiful part of it is that is that angels are very much part of our lives and we have to give them their due. Yeah, that's why as a cat as a Catholic, we you should be praying the St. Michael the Archangel as part of your morning prayer, as part of your evening prayer. And uh, when you go to Mass, uh, if they don't do it at your parish, you should be, after Mass, get on your knees and do the St. Michael the Archangel prayer before you leave the church. Um, Eddie, there's also another very famous story you've heard about the, in what happened in the Korean War about St. Michael showed up there as well to a Marine. Very famous story. Uh, it's, it's called St. Michael, you know, and the Marine Uh it's uh, it was back in the Korean War back in 1950, uh, and this story apparently it's told it's told every single year to all four branches of the service, and uh, yeah, Saint Michael. So uh, this this uh, it, it, the story is told by this Navy chaplain, Father Walter Muddy. This is back in 1950. You got you know uh, 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 during the Korean War, uh, all of a sudden this big Marine showed up in this platoon uh and this uh this younger marine looks at him and says hey where are you? i've never seen you before what's your name he goes oh my name's michael really he goes i've never seen you before he goes this guy was a big guy he so says i got separated from my platoon then i was surrounded by some koreans some communist koreans and i said oh no <laughs> uh, you know they got the draw on me and there's more of them uh, they engaged in a firefight. He goes, I just fell down. I felt like I got hit. I just engaged in a firefight. And he goes, and all of a sudden I looked up. He goes, and this big Marine, this big Marine that I didn't know where he came from, uh, that just joined our platoon, uh, he took out a sword. And as I'm on the floor writhing in pain, he took out a sword and he went after these Koreans. He says, I kind of like, you know, went unconscious for a little while. When I woke up, uh, there was a dozen dead Koreans that had been killed with a sword. Uh, the, the platoon sergeant and the platoon finds this guy again. And they said, congratulations, young Marine. You just killed, uh, you know, 12 Korean communists with a sword. And he says, sergeant, it wasn't me. He goes, what do you mean it wasn't you? You're the only one that was here. No, there's a big guy named Michael in the platoon. He's a big guy, big. Mar he goes, no, there isn't. I know all. I know all the people in my platoon. He goes, uh, there is no Michael in the platoon. And what you're describing, there is no big Marine Michael in the platoon. He goes, hey, just uh, you know, congratulations. Don't be so humble. Congratulations, you single-handedly with a sword killed twelve Koreans. And uh, so goes the story, Eddie. Yeah, Jess. You know that that goes to show you how how eternity and, and reality have a way they, they overlap just there are certain times in, in human history when these things happen and and uh, we're blessed to have them happen because uh, look at the uh, the fruit of that just know that St. Michael's here yep as we say in, in Catholicism there's a thin veil between this world and the next world Eddie absolutely yeah. we'll be back and we'll be back we're going to talk about Liber Crystal phase 2 Get some terminology down. Now, 
back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Spiritual warfare training. We're talking about uh, the four-phase protocol that Father Ripperger has put together called Liber Cristo, and it's really being used and used uh, by more exor- deliverance and exorcism teams around the country. People are, uh, are are seeing this medical model, and they're saying, hey, uh, I like this because this now gives the person who's afflicted or possessed, it gives them responsibility now. They have to... They've got skin in the game. They've got to do something. And just not come over here and father lay hands on me every two weeks. Father lay hands on me every two. No, 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 no. You have to do something. And it's uh, it's basically getting a 400 person off the couch and saying, you knock it off, get in the gym, start doing some exercise if you ever want to run a marathon. Eddie, let's talk yeah, about... Just, you know, this, this, yeah, this involves everybody. Everybody that has somebody afflicted or knows somebody that's afflicted and they're doing uh, this protocol, they're, they're involved in this... And the Libra Cristo method, they have to understand that you have to pray for them more because they are engaged in the battle. That's for sure. Eddie, uh, there's a case, I'm obviously not going to mention the names, that I know about very, very, uh, very uh, personally. Uh, one, The daughter was diabolically afflicted, probably possessed, uh, and it was as a result of witchcraft. Started very, very pious daughter, very holy family. First one that went to a second, they were homeschooled all their life, the kids. Uh, first one that went to a secular college and uh, just was not able to, to take the pre- the pressure of a secular college and got involved in witchcraft, got involved in the coven, in fact, in fact and uh, <clears throat> and got involved uh, at, at a pretty high level. This, the, the, this, this woman was starting to do what's called astral projection, which is a diamo- diabolic inversion of bilocation. <clears throat> and so Liber Crystal got a hold of the case and they put the whole family, uh, and it, it actually works better. Father Ripperger says, not only the person doing the protocol, he says, when you get the whole family praying, he goes, the mom, the dad, the siblings doing the, so they put the whole family in the protocol. The exorcist out in this, in, it's, 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 in, it's over in um, Arkansas, the case is in Arkansas. And uh, the father reports back to Liber Cristo within about 30 to 60 days. Uh, the daughter was completely liberated. Why? Because you had the entire family praying these prayers at the same time throughout the day. And so grace was flowing into that house powerfully because that's what happens. Sin impedes the grace of God. But you get the whole family doing the, the, the protocol for somebody who's possessing the family. Boy, oh boy. It's just like, it's just like a, uh, a, a fire hose is open, like at the fire department, and they open up their most powerful hose upon a burning house. That's what happens when the whole family does the protocol. So Father Ripperger and Kyle and Dan, they 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 recommend when they put when somebody's afflicted in the house or possessed, they recommend the whole family do the protocol because now you just have the grace of God just pouring into the house. Does that make sense, Eddie? Yeah, just it does, and you know. One of the things is, and, and there's no love like the love of a mother, but when an afflicted person shows up with mom alone, 
you're thinking, well, it just kind of depends on what happens here. Let's hope that mom gets engaged. But when they show up with the whole family and the entire family is in it, Jess, and they're in a state of grace and you can tell that, oh, that's powerful right there. That And that's yep. going to be a quick liberation. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Eddie, so what's... um. Last time we talked about the uh, the word exorcism, I think we, we you gave a definition of that. What is the word healing in, in relation to liberate crystal? How would we define healing? Healing, the reordering of the faculties that have been damaged by sin, reconciliation with God the Father through the sacraments. So just uh, this can be a result of uh, an exorcism or deliverance or, or a confession or even random prayers from the priest. But it usually involves some long-standing pain or hurt within a person's psyche, within their within their life, and so that's what healing is. Yes, it it has to do with sin and reconciliation with God the Father through the sacraments of the church. Yes. What about what's that phrase? Imprecatory form of prayer. What does imprecatory form mean? Give us a definition. Imprecatory form: the direct commanding of the demon. Uh, of an incorporeal incorporeal being, fallen angelic presence. It is the commanding of that creature by another creature, but it must follow the natural law. Use the imprecatory form, use, uh, use of the imprecatory form is relegated to one who has not only the power, but the authority to command it, such as the husband, father, over his wife and children. Just this is what we have to be careful. But once we get a handle on this definition, we understand the importance of it. So uh, this form of prayer assumes the person saying it has some uh, requisite form of authority over the person being prayed for. And it is usually said by a priest, a spouse, or the father of children under their care and authority. Yeah, amen. Uh, in other words, and here's where a lot of lay Catholics have got into trouble and I think they mean well, Eddie, but again, they just haven't been formed uh, within the charismatic renewal of the Catholic Church, which which has borne a lot of good fruit. But some of the things that, again, that we're that we're learning now uh, that we probably didn't know 30 or 40 years ago is this whole thing about authority, because oftentimes you'll find well-intentioned people in the charismatic renewal. They'll set up their own deliverance teams and they'll say, hey, you know. And everybody kind of knows on the parish. They say, "Hey, on Tuesday night, uh, go to Lena's house, uh, and she she has a bunch of people, and they pray over and and, and drive demons out." Uh, and, and so that's all over the country, Eddie. That's a dangerous practice. And I'm just going to tell you one thing right now. Okay, every single person I know, and I know a lot of people in the charismatic renewal, because I came through the charismatic renewal. Every single person I know in the charismatic renewal that's involved in in lay deliverance teams where, where they're driving out demons themselves and doing these imprecatory prayers, every single one, I won't mention any names, of course, because they're friends, their families are a mess. Their marriages are a mess. Their kids are a mess because they don't realize it that they open themselves up when they when they start acting like priests without holy orders they what they invite is demonic retaliation upon their marriage and upon their family and upon their sacramental concert to God the Father and without without exception Eddie every single person I know that's involved 
in their own deliverance ministry, you know, come to the parish basement on Thursday and, uh, you know, Mrs. Robinson and her and uh, and uh, and the parish council ladies that 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 wash the linen and iron the linen. They drive out demons on Thursday at the parish basement. Come on over here. Bring your kid over there. Every single one of them, Eddie, their marriages and their families are wiped out. Jess, you know, and we see this very often uh, is that. Uh, when these people, and like you said, they do a lot of good work. I mean, yeah. you know, people are healed through their prayers, through their own actions, especially. But when they act as priests do, and, and you know, we as Catholics understand that the priests have a, a special role in this ministry. Yeah, um, the holy orders. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and so so therefore, when they act, act as if they are priests, that throws a monkey in the wrench, Jess, and you know what, or a wrench in the monkey, however you want to say it. But yeah. the reality is that there's things get turned around and the demons take, um, uh, they take it out on the people that are pretending to act as if they do have holy orders and they don't. Yeah. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, there is some power in, in a lay person's prayer, even though they don't have authority over their, somebody else because they're praying in the name of Jesus Typically, the, these Catholics are in a state of grace or serious Catholics, and, uh, and, and, and they're praying in the name of Jesus. So there's going to be some effect. There's going to be some, some, some power that's going to be unleashed. But again, it's the authority. They don't have the—they're stepping outside their lane of authority. And so though they may, they may drive out maybe a lower-level demon or two, the fact is the demon is going to say, wow, that was a powerful prayer. I just got smacked in the face. Who was that? Oh, that was Father So-and-so. Darn it, I can't do nothing. Oh, that was Father So-and-so. Oh, I can't do nothing. Oh, that was Miss Robinson in the parish basement on Thursday at St. Miscellaneous Church. Ah, okay, I'm going after her kids. Watch this. You ain't seen nothing yet, Miss Robinson. That's called retaliation. And we see that uh, we see that constantly when people operate outside their lane of authority. Eddie, what's the definition of liberation? Give us a good definition of liberation. Liberation is the removal of the impediments to reconciliation with God the Father through the sacraments. Liberation comes about through one, strengthening of the free will in a person. Number two, an increased sanctification in a soul. And three, the reordering of life. So just liberation is usually uh, associated with uh, with the, uh, not, not the, uh, a deliverance as opposed to the uh, to an exorcism. But these are, in fact, the three things that cause or allow a demon to willingly or unwillingly be invited into one's spirituality. That's a liberation. What is the word? <laughs> obex. Obex is, I know it's a Latin word. What, what does that mean? Because we hear that obex. word all Liber Cristo, yeah. Yeah, from the Latin meaning barrier or wall, <laughs> a hindrance, an impediment or obstacle which blocks the flow of grace to the soul. It can be spiritual, moral, or psychological. And that's the, the biggest area in this whole Liber Christum program is to find out the obex, to find out that, that thing, that sin that is blocking the person from receiving sanctifying grace and actual grace. Actual grace through the prayers of the priest and sanctifying grace through the sacraments. What is that obex? A lot of people want to get prayed over, Eddie, and then, you know, but they're not coming clean with the church. They're not telling the church, oh, yeah, I'm living with my boyfriend. Oh, yeah, uh, you know, I smoke marijuana every day. Oh, yeah, uh, I, uh, I, 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 you know, I go to, uh, uh, 
a, a, a reeky healer as well as to the Catholic priest. And so these are impediments. These are obexes. If there's this mortal, unconfessed mortal sin in your life, but no, no, I want Father to pray for me so, cause I'm, I, I, so I can feel better. Uh, those obexes, they're impediments to grace. The biggest impediment to grace is when somebody's afflicted, and you'll find this, Eddie, oftentimes as, as you help out priests in the parish, somebody's afflicted in, 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 within a marriage, and then, okay, so you start talking to them and interviewing them, and you find out they're not married in the church. Oh, but I want to get healed. I can't take this. I can't take this. I'm getting tormented. I get scratched at night. I have horrible nightmares. These things jump on me and choke me at night and grab my lips and slam them shut. And this is, it's like a 500-pound object on my body at night. It's awful. And I can feel the hair coming down from the sting in, in my face. And I can feel the hot breath in my ear. Uh, okay, we want to help you. Uh, you guys are married in the church. No, we're not married in the church. How long have you guys been living together? I'm about 10 years. Obex, right there. There's nothing the church can do at that moment until that person repairs their marriage and allows the flow of sacramental grace to start coming into the soul. There's no way they're going to drive out the demon in that case. We'll pick it up after this, Eddie. Sounds good. Jesus 911. <clears throat> Liber Cristo. Uh, uh, explanations of uh, the four phase protocol. We'll be right back. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911. Dan Schneider, Dr. Dan Schneider writes here on page 25, talks about lesson one. There's there's 12 lessons in the four-phase protocol. Lesson one, the inner logic of a 30-day prayer prescription is based on our experience that the demon responds to the imposition of order as much as the prayer itself, as to the prayer itself. As a result, the 30-day prescription may cause memories of past injuries to the surface, causing some acute but telling pains. Later, we will discuss how the demon has access to and can even block the memory, but for now, we will focus on how the demon enters through sin and lingers in the spiritual sounds of the mind and soul. Uh... Eddie, and I know a lot of people that are using this 30-day prayer prescription just for minor things, minor affliction. People are calling me up and texting me around the country saying, Jess, I was, you know, <clears throat> just watching pornography every day just for a long time, and I just couldn't break it. I did the 30-day protocol. He goes, Jess, uh, I have no, uh, I haven't watched pornography in 30 days, and I've maintained that regimen of prayer, and I have no inclination to go back and watch pornography. Another person texts me, I've been smoking pot for five years. I did the 30-day protocol. He goes, about day 28, completely broke uh, the desire to smoke pot. I'm, I'm, I'm pot-free. And, and the reason is, is because <clears throat> when you start doing things that are good, we, what we call you know good habits or holy habits, it starts becoming habituated in your soul. So when you go into this intensive 30-day prayer, you say, hey, I can do this. I can do this. I'm up for the challenge. And then people just continue this this life of prayer, this regiment, and, and it brings order back into their life. Eddie, comments? Yeah, just I think this is also an important uh, 
part of the intake interview because the intake interview should be designed to stir the memory of a person in such a way that it brings to mind past or, for, or or sins that have already been forgiven, but they're still bothered by them or even maybe forgotten wounds. And so the intake interview has a lot to do with these people uh, remembering, recalling what they lived through in the past, probably been, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, but they do have the memory that, that's stirred up by the intake interviews. This is part of it as well. Yeah. You want to t- pick up the next paragraph, Eddie? Sure. It says, according to St. John Henry Newman, to live is to change and to change often is to become more perfect. Suffering is also part of living and often marks points of change for better or for worse in a person's life. Many people have suffered interior trauma, which, uh, when negatively interiorized, can prevent positive change and growth towards spiritual perfection. At one level, trauma is a deeply subjective and volitional response to evil, whether physical, psychological, or spiritual. But when a person lacks sufficient virtue to process the event in a healthy way, negative patterns of thought and behavior can be formed, which can preset a a vulnerability for a demon to exploit. At other times, someone can suffer trauma uh, or the effects of trauma without any volitional involvement at all. Children, for example, do not have full use of reason uh, or even uh, have to use, have no use of reason in some cases and can still experience the effects of trauma. The question for them is not that they suffer trauma when young, but how they will process it once they have the use of reason. If either of these describe you, a good mental health professional can help you along this path. That's right. That's what we have here on uh, this network. We have Dr. Uh, <clears throat> my, name, my friend's name, psychiatrist. We have him here on this, this show. Um, uh, it'll come to me right now. I can't believe it. I can't remember his name. Dr. Lee Sandoval. Dr. Lee Sandoval. Uh, he's a psychiatrist. Uh, he's also on the exorcism team in Orange County uh, for, the, for the diocese. And so, again, he's, he's somebody who's a mental health expert. Uh, it says here, Dan writes... <clears throat> For purposes here, the use of reason determines whether you allow a traumatic event in your life to draw you closer to God or cause you further alienation from him. That's what happens to most people, Eddie. A traumatic incident happens, they alienate from God. The modern definition of trauma tends, moreover, to be any experience of an abnormal, broadly defined, or deeply negative nature, which results in a wide appropriation of a variety of traumatic uh, stressors. Such a broadly subjective definition of trauma can mean any experience that one finds as unbearable or insurmountable. Harvard professor and trauma expert Richard McNally recently noted, in recent years we've witnessed a a conceptual bracket creep in the definition of trauma whereby ordinary stressors are are now deemed capable of producing PTSD. The disorder is now being diagnosed among people whose stressful events range from exposure to crude jokes in the workplace to giving birth to a healthy baby and much else in between. Indeed, one study showed that nearly 90% of Americans qualify as trauma survivors as trauma is currently defined. <clears throat> Eddie, I know one guy who's a friend of our show, uh, Ernie, Ernie uh, uh, brother Ernie... Yeah, Ernie Lopez, thank you, thank you. Yes, yeah, Ernie, yes. uh, Ernie was in the Army uh, uh, over in Iraq, he was in a, in a tank. He was a gunner. They went over a, a landmine and it exploded. And 
So Ernie says he was launched 20 feet in the air. And he came down on his back. He's a young guy, big and strong back then. He was lifting weights. He was in the jiu-jitsu. He came back and he broke his back in half. And they took him to the hospital, uh, whatever hospital they take the Army soldiers to. And he said it was that. He was, I was so far away from God. I was so far away. I was a, uh, he, goes, I was, he goes, I was actually practicing witchcraft uh, at the time. I was, I was involved in a coven. And he's in the Army. Uh, he said getting blown, going over a Humvee, and the guys that were inside the tank, they died immediately. I was, since I was on top, I just got blown out, fell on my back, broke my back in half, and, and spent you know weeks or months in the hospital. And he goes, and it was a fellow Catholic, a sergeant, my sergeant, who was, a, who was a hardcore Catholic, and he was evangelizing me. And it was all of a sudden where I realized that uh, God was giving me a second chance. And so that traumatic experience, it led to Ernie Lopez being a serious a Catholic man. Uh, and so you can let trauma move you away from God or trauma move you towards God. Uh, Ernie chose the right path. But again, there was somebody there to help him as well. Uh, a fellow sorry, his sergeant that was just evangelizing him and, 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 and catechizing him. And that's the, and that's what the liberal pro- program is, is phase two is where the, where the deliverance team is taking the, the, the person who's diabolically afflicted and you're now catechizing him to try to, get him to really uh, cultivate an interior life with God. Yes. And you know, one of the things too, um, when it comes to that is that um, uh, when, you know, when we help people, we help people discover what is happening with them uh, psychologically, uh, physically, emotionally. And that's, I think something that, that uh, we have to hone in on because that has a lot to do with uh, these, uh, this trauma. Um, but uh, yeah, let's let's go on to the next part here, Jess. Yeah, go ahead. It says, yeah. it says, uh, because of the highly uh, subjective nature of interior responses to life's events, some trauma can even be self-induced. A perceived rejection by one's parents, for example, can become a subjective reality in one's mind. Uh, left unchecked, this in turn can expose a person to a spirit of rejection and an orphan spirit. A popular theme in some uh, healing ministries today uh, is what is called repressed memory recovery. According to this theory, a memory can be so traumatic that it gets repressed entirely and no longer available to the person's consciousness. If the memory is present, they claim that it has no cohesive narrative to the person. Only by recalling previous repressed memory through various techniques Often, such as yoga and Eastern prayer forms, can one discover the hidden trauma which now oppresses him. Thus, there is a subjective disconnect and lack of narrative uh, memory in one's life. You know, this I see that there's that, a problem with this, Jess. There might be a problem with this. Yeah, this pr- pr- paragraph that you just read to me, that you just shared from Dan's book, it reminds me of one of my brothers, which you know very well. Uh, for many years, he felt that I'm the black sheep. Mom and dad don't love me. And he made a lot of mistakes in his life. And, uh, you know, as I started talking to Dan and Father Ripperger, they said this is called an orphan spirit. Somebody who thinks that their parents don't love them. They feel their parents have rejected them. And uh, this spirit of rejection is called an orphan spirit that they invite. And my brother did have that for a long time. But thanks be to God, he's actually self-delivered because uh, he was he was definitely, definitely a case. He self-delivered. Uh, by going to daily mass, 
He's been going to daily mass for about the last, I think, five years now. He prays all four rosaries every day, all four joyful, sorrowful, uh, glorious, and, uh, and luminous. He pays four rosaries every day. And so my brother, is a, he had an orphan spirit for many years. He wouldn't talk to anyone. He, and, and, and he's also another, uh, somebody, as, as you read this, he let all the traumatic sins in his life in the past just to repress him. And, uh, and he was very disconnected from, from the family, from us. But, and I'll tell you, he's also, you know, he's also got some physical maladies as a result of some bad decisions that he's made, but he's taken ownership and he's, he says, you know what, God, I deserve everything I get. I I deserve what I have right now. He goes, I've, I've committed so many sins. I've hurt so many people. I've offended God so much. He goes, I'm making up right now for everything I've done to, to, to my parents and other people. And so there's a real sense of maturity in my family member. He's not like, woe is me. Look at him. I'm dying. I'm sick and I'm dying. And oh God, what? No, he embraces it. Gets up in the morning, goes to mass, does his four rosaries, does his divine mercy at night. Then at, and then at night, guess what? He, he goes and does a holy hour. He, he's like, I'm going to tell you, my brother is like the holiest guy in my family right now. And he was the black sheep. He was the one that, uh, I mean, uh, he had an orphan spirit. Mom, dad don't like me. Mom and dad don't love me. And, uh, you know, uh, and made one mistake after another. Uh, and he had, uh, th- there was deliverances done over him. And we saw them. Father Santiago would come over. They would hold my brother down. My mom and dad's prayer group. And a priest would come in and pray over my brother. And we would see him writhing like an animal. Uh, but my brother now, he's <laughs> hes uh, completely walking in holiness. Yeah, he's... Yes, your, your, your brother has plenty of suffering that he's dealing with also. And, and let this be a, a hint to us, uh, Jess. When people, and I can't see the timer, so let me know. But you know what? Uh, hold on, hold that when... thought. Hold that okay, thought, Eddie. We'll ahead. be right back. Heartbreak, heartbreak. <laughs> Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911, two-man car. Hey, you're talking about uh, one of my family members, my brother, and redemptive suffering. Uh, What were you going to say about redemptive suffering? Yes, one of the things we can be sure of that, that... We're going to be in a family, uh, either immediate family or, or, or other family, that's going to uh, be subjected to some trauma. So this is what I'm, I'm here to say. We need to take a hint from this to know that uh, when somebody lives through some trauma, you know, handling it in a normative, honest, and helpful way, it can determine the effects of the event. So um, I think one thing for sure, if in fact that trauma is handled wrongly, it can create issues that we're going to... Uh, have to be revisited later and dealt with. Uh, it may need to be adjusted uh, physically, uh, uh, psychologically, or spiritually, but it will have to be addressed again later. So I think that um, we need to take a hint from from uh, uh, what happened to your brother. And I'm certainly not talking bad about your parents. Uh, just I love your parents. I remember them, remember them very well growing up. Yeah. But um, I'm just saying. As a family, as Catholic families, we have to realize that a lot of us are going to experience, along with other people, uh, 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 trauma in our lives. And we have to make sure that it's handled properly or we're going to have to deal with it later. Yep. And again, it's very dangerous. uh, And you see when people start walking around, my parents don't love me. You know, I'm the black sheep. 
you invite an orphan spirit. You invite an orphan and they will start clinging. They become clinging spirits, these orphan spirits. And Eddie, on that paragraph, you also talked about uh, this repressed memory recovery. The next paragraph, it answers that about repressed memory recovery. It says, this practice, repressed memory recovery, is very dangerous to the point where a statement signed by more than 55 prominent scientists and experts in the field of psychology denounced it before the Massachusetts Supreme Court, calling it arguably the worst catastrophe to befall the mental health field since the lobotomy era. And the reason is, and I'll tell you from a spiritual aspect why this is BS, pure garbage, this, this, oh, oh yeah, I remember 30 years ago that Donald Trump had sex with me, you know, you know, 30 years later. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because all that comes from your imagination and memory, and St. Thomas Aquinas says that demons have access to your memory and imagination. This is why it's, gar- that's absolute garbage science, and I'm glad to see that even, even, even psychologists, uh, you know, uh, are, are unanimously are coming together and saying, no, this is not, this is not psychology. This is not uh, the proper way to look at the human person. This is pure garbage. It says, this is germane to our discussion in that it shows the dangers of the subjectification of trauma. It also reveals how the psychological compatibility of the fallen human with, with a perceived trauma can attract the demon. The reader should bear this in mind when we later provide instructions in the next section to resist telling the story and be very suspicious of mystical phenomena. Uh, so yeah, th- th- that phrase is, is uh, <clears throat> there's a lot to unpack there where it talks about, it also reveals how the psychological compatibility of the fallen human uh, with a perceived trauma can attract the demon. And what is yes. the way? Yeah. One of the things I wanted to mention is it said, be very suspicious of mystical phenomena. Just mm-hmm. the high percentage of people that come to this ministry that think they're either destined for, I'm not ready yet, but I will be. I'm going to be some kind of mystic or, or psychic. I have information. Just sometimes they're absolutely wrong with that. Most of the times, Eddie, it's just, it's just, uh, <laughs> again, it's this, it's this, it, you know, it's it, the demon head that has access to the memory and the imagination is, uh, is projecting these ideas into the person who's afflicted. And, uh, they believe that they're going to come out, out of this, like, like some type of, you know, some U- UFC spiritual champion or something. And God is going to use them like a mighty, like King David or something. No, no, you made a lot of mistakes. You're diabolically afflicted. Let's get you healed. And get back in the road to becoming to living in a state of grace. Eddie, what's the next paragraph? It says, accordingly, any injury we suffer or even perceive to have suffered can lead to a host of emotions such as unforgiveness, regret, remorse, sadness, etc. The phrase perception is uh, is reality uh, is reality and can be applied here in the sense that the subjective appropriation of events can override the objectivity of the same events and become a de facto reality to the person. If we do not respond properly to the event, moreover, a highly emotionally uh, emotionality associated with the event can create a spiritual vulnerability to the demon, particularly the more uh, we dwell on them interiorly and continue to tell the story to anyone and everyone. 
It goes what, on. It says, "Go ahead, yeah, yeah." So, what does the spiritual vulnerability look like? Simply stated, a psychological obsession can open the soul to a spiritual oppression and obsession. For this reason, we prefer a narrower definition of trauma. In recognizing the subjective response to the negative and sometimes even terrible events in someone's life, McNally notes the existence of pre-existing uh, personal vulnerabilities uh, factors as well. With regard to the diabolic, these personal vulnerabilities can mean an overemphasis of emotional response, which may lead to a symbiotic uh, attraction with the demon. That is, human anger attracts a demon of anger, human lust, a demon of lust, human rebellion, a demon of rebellion, etc. Thus, our past experience, experiences can prevent vulnerabilities to evil influences. There was your brother, just rebellion. Yeah, and he admits it. And again, he owns yeah. up to all this, Eddie, and he's, he goes, I'm not making any excuses. I've invited all of this, and I'm paying for it. And uh, and I'm and I'm doing my purgatory here on earth. You know, he's he's like, as they say, he's embraced his cross. He's not like, woe is me, woe is me. He's embraced his cross. And I never but, heard him once just. I never heard him once say, poor me. I don't know why this happened to me, Eddie. He has an idea, and he's right. No, he he. Uh, well, he tells me acutely. He knows why this happened. He goes, this is uh, what comes around goes around. He says, I I deserve everything that that uh, God has allowed to happen to me. <clears throat> the last thing that you just read there. This uh, human anger attracts a human demon of anger. Human lust attracts a demon of lust. This is what Father Ripperger calls psychological compatibility with a demon. The type of sin that you commit, and if you're obstinate and you keep committing this sin, is you start aligning your will with the will of a demon. And that's called psychological compatibility with a demon. When you align your will, you know, I, 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 I got to drink every day. 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 You're going to align your will with the will of the demon of alcohol who wants you to drink every day, wants you to drink every day, wants you to. And so now you guys have like a, a friendship, you're, you're buddies. You got a symbiotic relationship with him. That, that's the definition of a psychological compatibility. Like attracts like math and biology, like attracts like. And uh, and as 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 Kath, uh, demons want to become Sancho's, Eddie. <clears throat> Wait, Dan explains to me. Okay, so we as baptized Catholics, we're meant to have a relationship with who? God, okay? The demon wants to get in between us and God. So he kind of wants to be Sancho, okay? In, in English, how do you say Sancho? What would that be? Uh, what would be? Uh, um, uh, I don't know, like a, a sideline lover or something. Side lover, yeah, yeah. A fling or, or yeah, yeah. You're yeah. In, right, okay. The person you're having an affair with, okay? Right, there you go. Yeah. yeah. So the demon <clears throat> wants to get between this marriage between you and God, because we have a covenant with God through baptism. It's a covenant. The Eucharist, it's a covenant. It's a sacred family bond that we have with God. The demon wants to get in between, push God out of the way. That's called mortal sin. Baltimore cat separation between the soul and God. The demon wants to get in between, be that interloper. I guess that's the word interloper. Be that Sancho in Spanish, that, <clears throat> that, that guy that's having an affair. <clears throat> and he wants to separate you from God. And he wants to have a relationship with you. That's what's and if, and whatever sin you have a proclivity towards, that's the demon that you're going to attract, and he wants to have a relationship with you. That's called psychological compatibility with a demon. 
<laughs> Any comments? Yeah, just thanks for that definition because I wasn't positive what that was, but psychological compatibility describes it, which how you de- the, the way you describe it there is perfect. Thank you for that. Yep. Okay. A, a demon wants to break up your relationship with God, that marriage relationship we have, and he wants to have an affair with you. <laughs> That's what it is. That's a good way to put it. He, he wants to have an affair yeah. with you. And and, exactly. and 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 you'll invite the demon that wants to have an affair yeah. with you based on the type of sin that you have a proclivity towards. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. That, that describes it perfectly, Just That describes it perfectly. You're drawn to that because you enjoy it because it's become part of your personality. So that, yes. that, that all yes. washes out. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Go ahead, Eddie. Are we going to go on here? Yeah. I think uh, we could. You know what? <clears throat> I think we're probably down to the tail end of the show. <clears throat> Any, a couple of comments, Eddie, just uh, just to uh, pick the people up before we wrap it up for today, and we'll just—I think we'll just leave leave there because uh, we'll, yeah, next time we get together, we're going to talk about redemptive suffering, which is it's a huge aspect of spiritual warfare. Eddie, do you notice that people, a lot of people that come to the church for help, <clears throat> they they want the the pain to stop, they want the pain to stop. But they're not willing to put in the work. You know, like, like they say in the streets, gang members, you, you work the wrong gangs. We live the wrong gangs. Not only do we live around gangs, we worked around them. So we have a certain expertise on gangs. What's the, what's the, the, the word amongst gang members? They'll, they'll say, you got to put in the work. Yeah, yeah, that homeboy, he puts in the work. He puts in the work. Eddie, a lot of people that are diabolically afflicted go to the church. They don't want to put in the work. That's it. They want, to, they want to do the lazy approach, Jess. They want a, some magical priest because that's what they're, that's what they're doing. They're saying, yes. well, the priest just going to wave a wand over me and make it better for me. Yes. And then it'll all go away. That's a problem. That, that, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. We have to put in the work, Jess. It has, to be, it has to be a dedication that we have. Just like the gang members have dedication to the street, to their neighborhood, that's a dedication we need to have to our faith. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Exactly. Yeah. Eddie, um, and it's funny, Anita was, uh, my wife went to some women's event and some, a, a mass out here in a conference, and she met a woman, they were talking in the table, and it was just kind of like casual, it was kind of casual, and my wife could tell she was very holy, my wife said, man, you could tell this woman's very holy, and they were talking, and she just like, very casually told my wife, oh yeah, I'm a case, by the way, I'm seeing the uh, the diocesan exorcist out here, and uh, she goes, oh, but I'm going through the protocol, and she goes, and I... And I'm doing this thing uh, m- m- like a military manual. A- and my wife says, you can see that she was a, a virtuous and a holy woman. And she goes, oh, this protocol is working. It's working. Uh, I feel, I'm feel i feeling so much better. So, yeah. All right. We'll pick it up next time. Same Christ time, same Christ channel. God bless you. Keep the faith. Over and out. EOW, end of watch. We're out. <laughs>